When was the last time you heard the words inspiring and PowerPoint put together? But because it's easier to use PowerPoints, that's what we automatically do. Interactive whiteboards are kind of clunky to write on, so we bang up a PowerPoint and we talk through the slides. But are they really inspiring? Are they really going to have the children on the edge of their seats in the same way as an engaging conversation will? No one should have to endure hour upon hour of PowerPoint, let alone kids. Welcome to the School Behaviour Secrets Podcast. I'm your host, Simon Corrigan. My co-host is Emma Shackleton, and we're obsessed with helping teachers, school leaders, parents, and of course, students when classroom behaviour gets in the way of success. We're going to share the tried and tested secrets to classroom management, behavioural special needs, whole school strategy, and more, all with the aim of helping your students reach their true potential. Plus, we'll be letting you eavesdrop on our conversations with thought leaders from a around the world so you'll get to hear the latest evidence-based strategies before anyone else this is the school behavior secrets podcast hi there my name's simon currigan and welcome to school behavior secrets while other educational podcasts dissect issues with the skill of a fine surgeon we're more like my mate gary who works at the local butchers well i say work he volunteers because he just likes cutting things I'm here with my co-host, Emma Shackleton. Hi, Emma. Hi, Simon. Before we talk about the content of today's show, I'd like to ask you a question. Oh, a break from tradition then. (laughs) Go on. What's the one piece of technology you couldn't do without? Just going to say the obvious one that springs to mind immediately, and that's my mobile phone. I'm sure if you asked most people this, they would say the same. Why do you ask? Because today we're going to have a debate. We're asking the question... Are interactive whiteboards undermining our classroom management? Because they're a big new piece of technology that's just entered the classroom in the last sort of 15 years. We're going to look at the pros and cons of this type of classroom technology and give our verdict. Are they good for classroom behaviour or are they actually working against us? Okay, I like a good argument, so I'm looking forward to it. But before we start that debate, I've got a favour to ask our listeners. If you find the content in this episode useful or thought-provoking or interesting, don't just keep it to yourself. Share the podcast with three friends or colleagues who would also find it useful. You can do that by opening your podcast app and tapping the share button. And your podcast app will send a direct link to any of your contacts by text, messaging or email. It's easy and it only takes about 10 seconds. That means it's time to pop down to the gentleman's outfitters, dispense with our old tight jeans and trouser that expanding waistline we call behaviour. Welcome to the court of common sense that is school behaviour secrets. Let's start our debate. Are interactive whiteboards undermining classroom management in our schools? Emma, you take the case for the defence for interactive whiteboards and I'll present the case against them. Okay, Simon, tell me, why are interactive whiteboards bad for classroom management? Right, I think they're bad because they have lost their impact. So let's start with the overuse of videos. Interactive whiteboards are often used simply to put a video on the screen, something from YouTube. And 15 years ago, yeah, that had a wow factor. Nowadays, it's lost its impact. It's become normal. It's become boring. It's become commonplace. When you think about it, when was the last time you saw a truly inspiring YouTube video used in the classroom? And while I'm on about it, does every lesson really need a video? A friend of mine has got this saying that goes, to someone with a hammer, everything looks like a nail. If you've got an interactive whiteboard, 
it kind of encourages you to always use a video or always use a PowerPoint and you end up relying on the same lesson format over and over. Quick bit of intro, here's a YouTube video. I need to explain something, I go and get a video off the internet. That's lost its impact, kids find that boring now, so they're starting to switch off and then you get problems with classroom management. Okay, that's a pretty compelling argument. But I would say right video at the right time can be really engaging and can offer something additional that the class teacher wouldn't normally be able to do. For example, I was in a classroom the other day and the teacher was beaming some footage from around the world about a very specific part of a very specific rainforest. And it was really fascinating to see something that the children in that class would never have been able to have access to in real life. But videos are passive. When we have passive learning activities, we know that that leads to off-task behaviour from the kids. The kids are zoning out. They're not engaging actively with a topic. When you put a video on an interactive whiteboard, right, for the kids, it's different to listening to someone who's engaging, who's interested in their topic, because that interest and enthusiasm really pulls you into the lesson. We've talked already in previous episodes about how someone with great presentation skills eliminates behavior issues because the kids are eating off their every word. And you just don't get that with a video. And in fact, I would make an argument that the overuse of videos is actually undermining the development of presentation skills in a whole generation of teachers. Because in the past, we had to learn to have those skills to hold the classroom. And now, which is bang on a video. I think you've got to get the balance here, though. Used in the right way, videos don't have to be passive. If the children are actively searching for information, if they're note-taking, if the teacher is pausing the video to ask questions... What they're doing is adding to their toolkit. They're using their presence and they're using a video to enhance that presence. Children switch off from teacher voice. Children are used to multiple sources of input. They play video games, they play music at the same time, and they have their phone in the hand at the same time. Sometimes just listening to the class teacher talking is boring. Using videos adds another dimension. As long as the teacher is encouraging the pupils' engagement and giving opportunities for them to be actively involved, I think it really does make the children think about what they're watching and learning. But it's never going to be as fluid as a fast-moving dialogue between the teacher and the kids. And another thing I see more and more often nowadays is videos are used to fill time, which in the past would have been spent in relationship building. There might be five minutes at the end of a lesson when a lesson's run short. In the past, we would have read a book or played a game, got to know the students. More and more nowadays, you just see someone putting on a YouTube video and standing at the side of the room, wasting that opportunity, losing that chance to really connect with the kids in a way that's going to support the development of their classroom management in the long term. I do agree there. It is about finding the right video at the right time. So it's about teachers using professional judgment to make sure that the video is wholeheartedly relevant and is adding something extra to the lesson. The best teachers that I've seen using videos are still doing those relationship building activities as well. They're still reading to the class. They're still having a quick game. They're still doing team building activities with their pupils. 
They're not just putting videos on day in, day out. So it is about right video, right time. Okay, let's move on from videos. Let's talk about PowerPoint and specifically death by PowerPoint. No adult should have to endure hour upon hour of PowerPoint, let alone children. You know, this should be against the Geneva Convention. PowerPoints are dry. PowerPoints are boring. When was the last time you heard the words inspiring and PowerPoint put together? But because it's easier to use PowerPoints on an interactive whiteboard, that's what we automatically do. Interactive whiteboards are kind of clunky to write on, so we bang up a PowerPoint and we talk through the slides. But are they really inspiring? Are they really going to have the children on the edge of their seats in the same way as an engaging conversation will? No one should have to endure hour upon hour of PowerPoint, let alone kids. But PowerPoints can be brilliant and they can be really effective. We all know that just reading out the slides is bad practice. Remember the rule, dumb slides, clever presenter. What we need is a little bit of information on the slide that gives a prompt to the teacher about the conversation that they would naturally have around the topic. I totally agree. Reading off text from the slide is super boring. But when the slides are there with a prompt that reminds the adult what to say next and gives them a structure for the teacher to talk around, making sure that they adapt what they're saying to the needs of their audience I think that works really well. It's again about that relationship building and it's about the presenter altering the technology to fit their needs rather than just going with a stock or standard PowerPoint and not adapting it to their own class. But those PowerPoints, they lack again that fluidity. They're too structured. They discourage the teacher from going off at tangents and following up the children's questions. If you think about using a traditional whiteboard or a traditional chalkboard, if a child asks a question, you've got the opportunity to go off at that tangent and explore it and write different things on a board. With a PowerPoint, it's almost like a railway. The lesson chugs along, following the line of tracks where it was predetermined the lesson would go, following the slides robotically. Because it is just really hard to adapt a PowerPoint in real time to kids' questions and ideas in the way that you could have done very easily 20 years ago using an old-fashioned whiteboard, old-fashioned chalkboard. Yeah, but I think this goes back to the point of the structure of the PowerPoint. So if you're just putting in little ideas and little hooks, you can allow the children to go off at a tangent. And don't forget, on interactive whiteboards, teachers can write on the slides to adapt them using pens and other technology. They just need the training and to feel confident to do that. I'd just like to take a pause for a moment and say that if you're finding this podcast useful, then you're going to love what we've got waiting for you in our Inner Circle program. The Inner Circle is your one-stop shop for all things behaviour. It's a comprehensive platform filled with videos, resources, and behavior inspiration to get you unstuck with classroom behavior. We've got training resources on de-escalation, supporting kids with anxiety, support strategies for conditions like autism, ADHD, and PDA, practical ways of helping pupils deal with strong emotions, assertive behavior management techniques for managing the whole class, setting out your classroom environment for success, resetting behavior with tricky classes, and more. Our online videos walk you through practical solutions step by step. Just like Netflix, you can turn an Inner Circle subscription on or off whenever you need to with no minimum contract. Plus, you can now get your first seven days of Inner Circle for just one pound. 
get the behavior answers you've been looking for today with Inner Circle. Visit beaconschoolsupport.co.uk and click on the Inner Circle picture near the top of the homepage for more information. What you often find as well is people download PowerPoints because they kind of fit the lesson or the learning intention, but they don't adapt them. And as a result, that PowerPoint doesn't specifically fit the needs of their kids that they have in the classroom right now. And the teacher doesn't have such an awareness or knowledge of the content in the slide. You see this problem as well when teachers use other people's lesson plans. If you're not invested in the development of that lesson plan, if you don't know the choices that went into developing that plan to make it in the format it is, that means you've got poor knowledge about what's going to be delivered in the lesson, which always leads to a poorer lesson. So if you've got a PowerPoint that doesn't quite fit, unless you're adapting it, unless you're making sure you know what's on every slide, like you would do if you developed it yourself, it's going to result in a poor quality lesson. And if you don't know the content, that means you're going to find it way harder to be flexible in the lesson. If a child asks a question, you're not going to be able to flip back and forth through the slides, anticipate content in the way that the person who wrote the slides can. And, you know, let's be fair, PowerPoint, it's boring. It's the same format over and over and over. Here's a title. Here are three bullet points. Here's a little comic picture that we found in the bottom right-hand corner. And I'm just going to say one other thing about PowerPoints is children don't get to see the adults write. When you used an old-fashioned whiteboard or chalkboard, the children had the opportunity to see the adult demonstrating and role modeling, handwriting, what it looks like to write on a page. Now with PowerPoint, everything's typed out in advance. So kids don't get the opportunity to see that. That's another experience that they're missing out on. I think what you're describing is somebody who's gone too far the other way, though. We need the balance. PowerPoint can be useful, but of course the children also need to see the adults write too. And that's what good teachers are doing. They're still doing that modelling. They're still doing that writing. And the problem of downloading resources off the internet isn't just restricted to PowerPoints. You could say the same about lesson plans being downloaded, worksheets being downloaded. Good teachers take resources and adapt them so that they're appropriate to their class. They don't just accept the resources as they are, whether that's from the internet or from other teachers. It's just about using the tool in the right way to enhance the children's learning. Okay, then let's look at another reason why interactive whiteboards are affecting classroom management in schools, from my point of view. And this is the issue of people being glued to their laptops and not using their presence. So what you'll often see at the start of a lesson is a teacher or an adult chained to a laptop in the corner of a room, hiding behind their desk, trying to present from that part of the room. And you just can't do it. You can't have impact. You can't have presence if you're sat down behind a desk in front of a laptop. It's going to limit your presence. And that lack of engagement or reduced engagement is always going to have an impact on classroom behaviour. I do agree with this point in a way, Simon, but you know what I'm going to say. Teachers don't have to be chained to the laptop. They just need the training and the confidence to use the tools correctly. They're called interactive whiteboards for a reason. There's loads of tools so that teachers can stand at the front of the room and interact through the screen rather than through the laptop. There's no reason why any teacher should be sitting behind their desk 
chained to the laptop. They can get up and move around. They must get up and move around. They need to lighthouse the room. They need to make eye contact with all of the pupils whilst using the interactive whiteboard at the same time. It definitely can be done. I've seen it done brilliantly lots of times. But 80% of teachers don't. If they're standing at the front of the room and they want to move slide, they don't tap on the whiteboard. For some reason, they walk over to the laptop in the corner of the room and do it. We both know that the first five minutes of any lesson are crucial. That sets the stage for the rest of the lesson. You get the first five minutes right, then the rest of the lesson is likely to go well. Being at one side of the room, it limits your stage presence so much. If you think about where an actor stands, when they want to command the stage, when they want the attention of the audience, where do they stand? Front and centre in the middle of the stage where they can get everyone's attention and focus their words and really engage with the audience. You can't do that presenting from the side of the room. Agreed. Great teachers will still be mindful of their stage presence and they will certainly be making eye contact and greeting every child on arrival. They should be doing that before they even touch the technology. There's nothing to stop them doing that. So another issue I see that's related to this is when the kids come into the room first thing in the morning or after lunch and we have to take a register. Now, so many registers these days are kept on computer systems. And what happens is the teacher sits down at the laptop and starts doing the register using the computer system. And this has destroyed interaction as kids come into the room. It limits opportunities for eye contact. The teacher is sat stationary. They're not moving around the room. They're not monitoring behavior in the way you can do with a simple clipboard. Also, when you're doing the register, the kids don't believe you're paying attention. If you're looking at a screen, the kids expect that your attention is being directed to the screen and not to them. That makes them think they're not being monitored or their opinions aren't cared about. If you think about going to the doctors nowadays, and I know there's a lot of research and talk about this at the moment, If you go to the doctor nowadays, do you believe they're listening to you or do you think that they're looking at their screen a lot, looking up and down your notes? It gives the impression that the doctor isn't listening. Now, I'm sure doctors are doing their best to listen to their patients, to work out what's happening with their symptoms and helping them to resolve their problems. But it's mirror signal maneuver. If you're doing something, but you don't look like you're doing it, that still gives the impression to the other person that you're not listening. They get in the way of us actively listening and showing we're listening to the kids and showing them that we're paying attention. But you can still do all of these things. There are solutions to the register problem too. I would just delegate. If you're lucky enough to have a TA or a responsible child, have them mark the register while you read out the names. Or you could do the register on paper or just make a note of the children who aren't there and feed the attendance in later. You could take the register using an iPad, which allows you to be much more mobile and present in the room. There are always ways around these problems. It's just a matter of thinking it through and getting the best of both worlds where you can have the interaction and you can use the tools available to you as well. So that was all a bit of fun. Emma and I have taken on opposite points of view and played devil's advocate for this podcast. But here's what we really think. Interactive whiteboards are a tool. And like we have lots of other tools in the classroom, if we overuse that tool, if we overuse any one form of presentation, which happens a lot with video, PowerPoints and interactive whiteboards, or you don't use that tool in the right way, then it's going to backfire. It's going to work against us. So we have to use the tools in the right way at the right time. 
with the children we have in our classroom today. Mix up how you present lessons. Remember, you're the key presenter in the room. And don't confuse passivity with engagement. Just because the children are sitting there quiet, does it really mean that they are taking in the learning? And if you've got a few spare moments in class, invest them in some human-to-human interaction rather than sticking on a YouTube video. I promise it will pay you back tenfold. Hold on, I've got one last thing to mention. Power cuts. Yes, power cuts are a problem, but the debate's over now. Want to know more about improving your classroom management? We've got a completely free download that goes with this episode called the Classroom Management Score Sheet. Inside the score sheet, you will find a list of 37 factors that have an impact on classroom management. The score sheet is a list of things that you are clearly either doing or not doing. It's like a roadmap to improve your presence in the classroom. It's based on thousands of observations that Simon and I have conducted between us so that you know it's grounded in solid classroom practice. And if you're supporting a colleague with their classroom management, it can help make your feedback and action points even more clear and objective. Get it now by going to beaconschoolsupport.co.uk, clicking on the free resources option in the menu, and you'll find the classroom management score sheet download near the top of that page. It's completely free. Get it today. And I'll also drop a link in the episode description. Next week, we'll be talking to Deborah Miller, author and expert on the subject of EFT tapping. And she'll be talking us through how to use this technique, which is similar in some ways to mindfulness, to helping children manage strong emotions like anxiety, anger and fear. To make sure you catch that interview, you could climb into a heavily converted time-travelling DeLorean sports car, fire up the flux capacitor and head into the future like a young Marty McFly. Or if you don't have access to your own time-travelling machine, simply open up your podcast app, press the subscribe button or follow as it's now called in Apple Podcasts and your app will automatically download the next episode as it's released so you never miss a thing. And if you go with the first option, don't forget your skateboard. (laughs) And last of all, don't forget, if you found this episode interesting or entertaining, don't forget to forward a link to three of your friends. Just use the share button in your podcast app. Until next time, have a great week and we look forward to seeing you again on School Behaviour Secrets. Bye now. Bye.